Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. But God is good. You know, I was considering some things the other day. Uh, We moved here, our family moved here in 1973. Uh, That was a while back, amen. How long ago is that? Forty-something years, I guess. Forty-five years ago, we moved here. And, you know, this island has changed quite a lot in those years. And I guess I'm probably more familiar, uh, or more familiar than a lot of people, uh, with, with the beach. You know, I kind of grew up on the beach, kind of hanging out, fishing, surfing, doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the beach has changed uh, from what it was back in 1973 to what it is today. It is, it is literally totally changed, completely changed. Now, I... You may not agree with this, but for me, it has not changed for the better. He said, no, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, for years, I, it began sometime in the uh, early 80s, mid-80s. They begin to come and just dump just tons of sand on the beach. Uh, they've done it for years. Every year, it seems like that they figure out another way to put sand on the beach. And they just dump sand on the beach, dump sand on the beach, dump sand on the beach, dump sand on the beach. Now, it's done several things. Number one, the, 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 the sandbars on this island used to be very defined. You might remember those days. The, the, the surf used to break different. The fish used to move different uh, in those troughs and, and around those sandbars. But, you know, that sand has kind of, has instead of it going like this, it kind of goes like this. And it's kind of taken the power out of the waves. Amen. You know, the same thing has kind of happened spiritually. I was driving down the beach the other day, and I just began to think about this. It just kind of blew my mind that how, you know, the sand of religion, the sand of tradition, and basically, I would just say the spirits of, of apathy and complacency that have gotten upon this island. You know, when we first moved here, this was a working man's town. I can remember in the 70s when I was a kid, uh, Alan can tell you this too, we'd go down, there were three different uh, 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 longshore locals, uh, uh, unions, here on the island that we'd go work at. And at any given day, there'd be probably two to 3,000 men that would go to work on the waterfront. Loading rice, bananas, heavy lift, flour, uh, 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 all kinds of jobs that were available. Uh, how many remember, does anybody remember Lipton Tea used to be here? How many people did that? That was a great job. You know, you worked 36 hours a week and got paid for 40. And back then in the 70s, they paid 10 50 an hour. That was big money in the 70s, Amen. Uh, there was Pier Point Packers. Anybody remember Pier Point Packers? They used to pack uh, 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 things that would be loaded on ship. There were all kinds of little businesses and little jobs all over the island. But that's not true anymore. Uh, jobs are very limited. There's not really a, a, a whole lot of jobs like that in that category anymore where people could actually go make a living and, and actually do you know, pretty well uh, with the economy that's going on there. I mean, it, unless you're a, you, know, you specialize in insurance or medicine or something like that, then you're very limited to what you can do here. And it's created a real kind of apathetic, complacent spirit that's tried to get into the churches. But the good news is we stand against that spirit every week. We believe, God, that people are rising up, believe in God. Because, see, the spirit of areas try to get into churches. That's what it tries to do, to try to, people, try to dumb people down, try to get people to think, oh, well, you know, it really doesn't make that much difference. You know, go to church one week, the next really doesn't make any difference. But, you know, here's the thing. It does make a difference. 
Amen. We used to have a, a catchphrase when we were in the little building over on 45th Street. We used to call Island Church the best place to start your week. I mean, remember that saying we used to have back then. Now, that's still true. You need to start your week strong. You need to maintain your week strong. And I'm talking about spiritually. Praying, studying the Word of God. Because, listen, the day is growing more and more evil. And, listen, God doesn't want to have to pull you out of something. He wants to prevent you from going into something. Let me say that again. God doesn't want to have to pull you out of something. He wants to prevent you from having to go into something. And I'll tell you what, I'd rather stay on offense than play defense all day long when it comes to faith. Amen? So God loves you. God wants to bless you. But here's the thing. Maintain the fire of God on the inside of you. Don't let, don't let apathy and complacency get a hold of you. You know, we do things around. Had a great crowd last night for prayer. People are getting stirred up praying. I feel in the spirit we're, we're hitting up against some things we've never hit up against before. The enemy doesn't like that. He likes to recoil against that. He likes to bring attacks. He likes to just cause apathy and complacency to just kind of just settle in where people are, well, you know, it really doesn't matter. But listen, this is a day today, Sunday, in which we're going to be very busy in the kingdom. You say, what do you mean by that? We're going to have service today. We're going to give to missions. We're going to have service tonight. It's a good time to break that spirit and to walk in the things of God and the things that God has for us. It does matter that we serve God. It does matter that we be in church. It does matter that we walk in faith. It does matter that we give. Because when we do those things, we keep those spirits of the adversary at bay and we keep ourselves on fire for the things of God. Amen? Right. There's a wonderful anointing here. The Spirit of God said, teach the Word for a little bit. So let's obey God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10. We'll start there. Hallelujah. Close your eyes for a moment. Lift your hands up. Say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father. For a hearing heart, not just a listening ear. Devil, leave my mind alone. My mind is alert and I'm able to receive the Word. I will not miss it. I will not miss revelation knowledge when it comes. For that's where my faith is. And that's how my faith grows. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans 10 now. Studying the subject of faith. We're kind of moving toward what I would call faith in action. Or we could say it like this, faith in its application. There's a powerful minister back in the, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s named Smith, Wiggle, Smith Wigglesworth. I've read his books, just had a powerful ministry. But he used to have this, this, this saying, and I think it's so true, faith is an act. Faith is an act. Everybody say, faith is an act. Well, we know from the beginning of our principles of faith, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So it's an act to get into the Word of God, study it, and get Scripture that has to do with your situation. Faith is an act. Then to speak the Word. Life and death is the power of the tongue. To speak the Word, faith is an act. Amen. Then to act upon the Word. See, it's just a continual act. Faith cometh. Faith speaks. Faith acts. Faith stands. Faith rejoices. And faith receives. Isn't that good? Well, it's all an act. Listen, faith is not a noun in which we describe the type of Christianity we adhere to. Faith is a verb that shows us how we serve God. How do we serve God? By faith. It's an act. Everybody say it's an act. Now, notice here in, in, well, let's start in verse, eh, all right. I always think I know what I'm going to do, but I never do, so 
So I don't preach with notes because I never I tried it one time, I never use them. It says in verse 6, let's just go ahead and start there. It says, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh. Now notice, we've got faith and speaking in the same scripture. Man, don't you hang around with that name it and claim it crowd, that blab it and grab it crowd. Listen, you've got, you got to see it in the Word. You've got to name it, you've got to claim it. Healing's mine. Prosperity's mine. Blessing's mine. Amen? Now, notice what it says, the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not, this is so first thing, don't say this. Say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. Now literally, listen, this is an easy portion of Scripture to understand. Paul is writing, he's saying this, don't say if only God were here. If only Jesus could just walk into the back of the auditorium, and begin to move among the aisles, and begin to touch me. Oh, what a service we would have. No, we wouldn't. You say, why not? Because he's doing that now. You say, how is he doing that now? In the form of the Word of God. He is the Word, was the Word, forever will be the Word. And if he can't move as the Word, what makes you think he could physically move in here as a person or as an individual? Because then your faith would be in what you saw, what you heard, come on, you'd be right back in the natural faith. But the highest level of faith, now listen to me, the highest level of faith is to take God at His Word. Woo. But what saith it? The Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is the what? The Word of faith which we preach. So what we preach is what? It's the what? Now say it again. It's the what? So we're not talking about a movement. We're not talking about a denomination. We're not talking about any kind of classification of Christianity. The word of faith is what we preach. So if somebody asks you, well, what does your pastor preach? You ought to say, the word of faith. You ought to tell them, the word of faith. You say, well, see, is that part of that word of faith movement? You ought to say, there is no word of faith movement. It's what we preach. It's what we preach. It's what we believe. It's the Word of faith. Say, well, where do you get that? Say, I get it right out of Romans chapter 10. It's the Word of faith which we preach. I like to say it like this. It's the Word that produces faith. Honey, if the Word isn't producing faith, we need to get us another Word. We need to get the Word that will produce faith. Thank God this Word produces faith. Now notice, the Word that is not even in thy mouth and heart. Now here's again, this is our what? Spiritual belief system. Heart and mouth. Our mouth and thy heart, which is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou, that if you shall confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus shall believe in thy heart, God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now Romans 10, chapters 9 and 10, this is, now people don't like this, but this is how unregenerate men and women get saved. I ought to get a better amen than that. He said, no, wait a second. I thought if I stopped doing this and started doing this and stopped doing this and started doing this and quit going there and started going here and quit putting this in my body and started putting that in my body. No, it doesn't say that. It says you need to believe in your heart. You need to confess with your mouth. And who can do that? Who can do that? Religious people? Good people? Anybody, whosoever, everybody say whosoever. 
Say, I'm a whosoever. Now, what was that song we used to sing, Ella, back in the Pentecost? Whosoever meaneth me. Everybody say, whosoever meaneth me. Whosoever surely meaneth me. I'm telling you, that's a revelation right there. Whosoever, whosoever wants healing can have it. Whosoever wants salvation can have it. You've got a desire. You've got to want it. And in order to receive it, what do we do? We obey the principle in the Word of God. We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth that God hath raised Jesus from the dead. And the Bible says this. Look at the next verse, verse 10. It says, For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you have done this, if you have done this, you no longer believe you're saved. You know you're saved. You say, why? Because faith produces a knowing. It is the substance of your salvation. Your faith is the substance. You say, what proof do you have that you're saved? How do you know you're going to? Because ah, I obey the Lord. heard my dad give his testimony several times when full gospel businessmen used to be big. Sometimes they'd invite him. Sometimes they'd invite me. But he would make this statement about his salvation. He said, you know, I've got a, a, a mind that's educated according to the law. So when I, if I've got a case or something, I go to the law book because the law is what sets the precedent that has to be followed. He said, so when I got saved, I went to the law book. Not the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit of life in Christ. And he says, I know I am saved because I obeyed the law. I know I'm right with God because I obeyed the law. You say, well, how do you know that? Faith produces the knowledge. Mm-mm-mm. For the Scripture saith, now notice this, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You know, I'm not ashamed of salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of God's healing power. I'm not ashamed of miracle signs and wonders. I'm not ashamed of giving. I'm not ashamed of prosperity. I'm not, listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not ashamed of speaking in tongues. I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed of the things of God. I've got to hold back. I'm, I, for some reason, I feel like I'm going to take off. The Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now notice, here's the Scripture I want to get to, verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Now that really doesn't carry the weight with us today as just being, you know, the Heinz 57 of the American culture. You say, what do you mean by, you know, every one of us, uh, I don't think there's much pure blood left in America. Maybe in the Indian tribes or somewhere. But all of us got a little mixture going on there. You know, French, Irish, Hispanic. Uh, uh, you, you name it, it's all mixed up. But back in those days, there was great emphasis put on purity of race. I'm a Roman, I'm a Greek, I'm a Jew, and especially the Jewish. You say, why? Because they were the only nation on earth that through a bleeding sacrifice and the law of a, Levit- of a Levit- Levitical priesthood had access to God. So they were kind of like, hey, we're the ones. But then when Paul makes this statement, especially to the church at Rome, he says, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. And the Greek was kind of like the bottom of the ladder. That was kind of like they were a a society that had fallen. The Roman Empire had destroyed much of the Greek Empire. So they were like, you know, they're they're the destroyed ones. They're the defeated ones. And Paul says, there ain't no difference between the Jew, between the Greek, between the Hispanic, between the Asian, between the Caucasian, between the African. There's no difference. 
That ought to help somebody. For the same Lord, oh, this is so good. For the same Lord is rich. I'm so glad I serve a rich God. I said, I'm so glad I serve a rich God. He is rich, but then he classifies a group of people to whom he's rich toward. Are you with me? He is rich to who? Church, church attenders? Thank God for people that come to church. People who do benevolent work? Thank God for benevolent work. You know, people, people who don't watch pornography or smoke dope or drink alcohol. No, he's rich to who? All that call upon his name. So you're going to have to call upon his name to receive his riches. Because God's not the kind of God that wants to hold his riches to himself. He wants to distribute it to all that call upon his name. Now, go if you will over the book of Luke. I studied this in Matthew, then I came over to Luke. I like it better in Luke. Chapter 7 of the Gospel of Luke. Beginning in verse 1, it said, Now when he had entered into, uh, ended all his sayings, uh, in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. Uh, that's, that's pretty sick when you get sick enough where you're ready to die. Amen? And when he'd heard of Jesus, now notice this, when he'd heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him, that he would come and heal his servant. Well, well, this centurion, now how many remember what a centurion is? This is a, this is a member of the Roman army. Military guy. Amen? In charge over a hundred men who's probably part of the garrison that, that's overseeing Capernaum. So this is the authority, the military authority, because they had martial law, the military authority, the military rule over that area. Are you with me? So he goes to the Jewish leaders because he has faith. Everybody say faith. He has faith in the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's trying to figure a protocol out because obviously he had dealings with the Jews and he didn't feel like he was worthy. We'll see that in just a moment. He didn't feel like there was anything in him as a Roman centurion that made him worthy to put a demand upon the Word of God. Are you with me? Uh, devil ever made you feel like that? Remember, he's a liar. Now notice. It says, and when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and hath built a synagogue. Now notice this. Then Jesus went with them. Now Jesus is willing to step his ministry up to another level in order to give this guy some personal attention. Amen? Now, listen, I, lo I love when Jesus does it. I love gifts of the Spirit, miracles in operation. And sometimes we think that that is the highest form of the power of God in manifestation, when it's not. Listen, let me say something. That tangible anointing, when it comes in so strong, sometimes it's so strong, it feels like you can cut a chunk of it out and take it home with you. Sometimes it just barely lingers in the atmosphere. But there's always some type of presence here that helps us understand that God is here with us in the person of the Holy Ghost. 
He's helping us receive revelation from the Word. He's helping those that we're ministered to to receive provision from God. He's helping us to focus and train ourselves on what God's trying to tell us. He's helping us to do that. But the reason that it's like that is because God's doing everything He can do to try and help us. The ministry of laying on of hands is a way to help because sometimes people need personal touch. The, uh, the anointing with oil is another level. Listen, these levels do not go up from that. They go down from just receiving from the Word. The highest form of receiving from God by faith is just to say, well, bless God, God said it, it's mine. God said it, it's mine. Thank God for when I need hands laid upon me. Thank God for when I need to be anointed with oil. Thank God for other times in which I need that tangible presence. But I'm telling you, as far as the Word of God and me go, I'm telling you, God says it, it's mine. There used to be a bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it. That settles it. I, I, I didn't like it, so I never put one on my car. God said it, that settles it. Doesn't make any difference whether you believe it or not. That's why I didn't put one on my car. God said it, that settles it, I believe it. Forever, O oh God, forever, O oh Lord. Thy word is what? Settled in heaven. That means our salvation is settled. Our healing is settled. Our deliverance is settled. <laughs> I keep drifting towards something. I pull myself back out. I'm trying to focus my eyes now. Not because my eyes are bad. Then Jesus, here we go, then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, now notice this, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, troublest not thyself, for I'm not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I, thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. Now notice this. You ought to underline this in your Bible. But say in a word. Now did you get that? But say in a word, and my servant, I hope he gets healed. Well, let's roll the dice and see what happens. Say something, Jesus. Let's see what happens. We're going to give you a try. Amen. That's another bumper sticker I didn't like. Try Jesus. No, you don't try him. You can try milk, but you don't need to try Jesus. <laughs> now notice what he says. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Now notice, he, he, keeps, he, he expounds on it. For I am also a man... For I also am a man, for I also, so he's including Jesus and himself in this. I also am a man under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth, to another, come, and he cometh, and unto my servant, do this, and he doeth it. This man had an understanding of delegated authority. Now, I, I tell you, if you get this today, it's going to change your life. You say, why? There are words that there is no restriction on in the realm of the Spirit. Amen? Now, I could come up with some kind of goofy, you know, incantation. What's the prayer we used to pray at night? Uh, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. 
I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, I could say, well, you know, uh, Leah is fixing, oh, well, here in a few minutes, she's going to get on an airplane and fly for 14 hours back up. Oh, I want to protect. I want her to get home safe. Oh, I don't. So I'm going to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, um, her soul to keep. And I'm not going to, you say, why? That, those words will come out of my mouth and fall right on the ground. You say, why? Well, they have no scriptural value to them. Therefore, they have no access to the spirit realm. There's no authority behind them to push them to the place they need to be. Now, let me do this real quick. Uh, many of you over the years have brought prayer requests of loved ones up front, and we've prayed over them, and you've testified that God has done something for your loved one. How many of that has happened here at Island Church? Raise your hand. Let me see. Look at all the hands. Now, that shows you, now listen to me, that a word was spoken at one location and there was no hindrance of that word going to another location and doing what it was said it would do, doing or performing what God said it would perform. <laughs> I should have got a little, a little bit of amen, a little bit of amen than that. That you realize we handle the word of life, the word of truth that has no restriction, no demon in hell, no geographical barrier, no storm, nothing can stop the Word of God from a heart of faith going to the place where it needs to go to do what God says it's supposed to do. That's why you speak the Word over your loved ones. You speak the Word over your children. You speak the Word over your, whoever it is that lives on the other side of the world. You speak the Word. You speak the Word. And that Word takes off from your heart of faith and goes to the place where there's the need. Now notice. For I am also a servant under authority, having under me soldiers. I say unto one, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. Uh, and unto my, unto my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Now, I'm telling you, listen to me, this is the highest form of faith right here. Where you make a decision to take God at His Word. And in this day and this hour, I'm going to tell you, everything in the human family for 6,000 years of what I call reverse evolution. You say reverse evolution, what is that? Man going from the presence of God to the animal he is today. Amen? Everything in that 6,000 year process tries to rise up in you and tries to create doubt and unbelief and a reality that these things do not work. But I've got good news. <laughs> I said, I've got good news. <laughs> I said, I've got good news. You ought to smile when you know good news is coming. The same one that created the heavens, the earth, and all that is and will ever be is the same one that backs up this word with all the authority of heaven. <laughs> all he's looking for is some whosoevers. Some whosoevers 
that will call upon His name so that He can be rich unto those who have faith and believe that their God can do anything. Number one, everybody say number one. I'm going to give you three quick points. Number one, this centurion understood the power of words. Now, he understood it because of his position. Now, if he would have had a soldier, if he said, now look, go saddle my horse, get ready, I've got to go make some, run some errands in the city of Capernaum. And the guy said, I ain't going to do it, I'm busy, I think I'm going to eat breakfast. Well, that soldier that said that, if he did not know that the rank of this centurion had more authority than his rank, we'll soon find out, we'll soon find out that what you just said is going to be usurped. Amen? By what? By the authority. Oh, my goodness. You say, what do you mean? What has the devil said? Because you stand, oh, my God, church, you stand in a position in Christ Jesus, risen with Him and seated in heavenly places. You stand in a superior position of authority over the devil. That means you stand in a superior position of authority over his works to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You stand in a superior position. I'll tell you, somebody ought to shout over that. you got to understand the power of your words. Secondly, he understood what backed that power. You say, what do you mean? Well, in his, his personal life as a officer in the Roman army, he understood that there was a structure that had been built by the government of that nation that runs all the way up to Caesar. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, if, if, if he couldn't do something about it, there's someone over him. He'll go to them because they've got what? Greater authority. Now, if that person can't do something about it, he'll go to the next, and he'll go to the But with each level he goes to, you ready for this? There's more power applied. You say, what do you mean? Well, say he was a, say he was a captain or a lieutenant. He goes up to the major, there's more power there. Who goes up to the colonel, there's more power there. Who goes up to the general, there's more power there. Who goes up to the president, there's more power there. He understood that the entire structure of Rome stood behind his authority. So when he spoke words, that entire structure backed his words up as long as they were in line with the will of Rome. So Jesus comes on the scene and he starts doing signs and wonders and miracles. And this guy is already enamored with the God of the Jewish people. Because he was kind to them and built them a church. So there's a hunger in him. There's a desire in him for Jehovah God. For this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he hears about this Jesus. And there's these words. He may be the Messiah. He may be the coming one. He may be that prophet Moses spoke about. He may be the son of David. He may be the... So he begins to hear that and hear that and hear that. And as he's hearing that, he goes in to see his servant. And his servant's dying. And he says, oh my God, my servant's dying. I need some power. I need some authority. So I'll go to those in authority. 
authority that I know that know how to touch this God. So who does he go to? He goes to the religious leaders. Thank God they were good religious leaders. Because he knew where to send them. He said, you need to go to Jesus. Thank God they didn't try to talk about, well, you don't ever know about Jesus. He's one of those naming and claiming people. He's one of those gifts of the Spirit people. He's one of those always talking about the anointing and talking about coming to church and talking about prayer and talking about this talking about giving. Well, the other day, I was sitting right next to the offering watching how people gave. He must be one of those prosperity preachers. He didn't care about all that. He had a friend that was dying. I'm telling you, when you're, when you're dying and need God, it has a way of removing all the fluff. You want somebody that's got some power that can get to you with an answer that's going to change the situation. So he said, I'm telling you, go get Jesus. Go get Jesus. Jesus, do something about this. Number three, he was submissive to the system of authority in order to receive that which he could not produce for himself. So he made a decision, you know, I built him a synagogue. I'm not, I'm not even worthy to go in that synagogue. I mean, he, I, we could get into all kind of details of, uh, of what uh, you know, he may or may not have done to be part of the Jewish religion, but obviously there was a sense of unworthiness in him. But instead of it working against him, he, he let it work for him. Because he really wasn't trying to get an induction into the Jewish religion. He's trying to get a miracle for his friend. So in order to not usurp what he thought was correct protocol, because this man is holy, because this man is righteous, and I'm unholy and I'm unrighteous. But I don't need the presence of his holiness. I need the power of his word. Because if I can just get him to say it, my servant will be healed. Amen? See, he's rich unto all that will call upon his name. What was he doing? He's calling upon his name. This stuff is so simple. It's so easy to understand. Now, you as a believer, you say, well, that's, that's all well and good, Pastor, but now here we are. I'm not a centurion. We're not in Capernaum. But you have the word of life that legally belongs to you as an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. So really the problem is not the answer. I know that there's been those over the years that call the Bible the answer book. But more than it's the answer book, it's the doubt removing book. Because there is always opportunity to doubt. And doubt is either something that you feed or starve. Now, how's my, got a couple of minutes. Jesus knows that human beings on the earth, even with His Spirit that abides through the new birth and empowers through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Jesus knows, God knows, the Holy Ghost knows, they're going to have a problem with doubt. So I'm going to give them a whole litany of things 
I'm going to give them the presence of God. I'm going to give them the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to give them laying on of hands. I'm going to give them gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to give them tangible anointings. They cannot deny that God is doing something in their midst. I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to give them to them in mass. I'm going to do it for them. And I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure that they know I, as their God, am doing everything I can do to remove their doubt. I am God. I love you. I sent my son Jesus. He died for you. He rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's upon you. But it's all by faith. Are you ready for this? Faith cannot, will not, does not produce a feeling. Faith produces a knowing. You say, would you rather have a feeling or a knowing? I would much rather have a knowing. But God in His mercy, in His compassion, in His kindness, in His grace, in all of the goodness of who He is, even supplies for us a feeling to go with the knowing. When that presence of God comes upon you, that Spirit of God begins to minister to your heart, and that doubt begins to starve, and that faith begins to rise up, and that anointing of God begins to move in your life. Oh, there's times when the anointing's been so strong, I can barely move. I've been in meetings before, gone back to my hotel room, and sat in the hotel room for hours, just shaking under the anointing and the power of God. But I found this out. My feelings never got me anything. My emotion never got me anything. What got me something in the kingdom was knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that my faith was the substance of what I had hoped for and the evidence of what I could not touch with my physical senses. So whether my body told me I was healed or not or whether the doctor's report said I was healed or not, I did not believe I was healed. I knew I was healed and acted upon it. Whether I had a million dollars in the bank or whether I had a dollar in the bank did not matter whatsoever. I knew that God supplies all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And no matter what situation arises in my life or how the enemy tries to attack, I know that my God is rich unto all those that will call upon His name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't know. I'll I'll tell you, I preach myself happy already. I like that. I tell you, I wouldn't hang around with any preacher that bragged on his own preaching, but I like that. (laughs) Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. Thank you for the simplicity of faith. We trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. We lean not into our own understanding. In all of our ways we acknowledge you. You direct our paths. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Your word does not return void, but it does accomplish that where to it is sent and prospers in the thing in which it was sent to. Thank you, Father. Here at Island Church, mightily grows your word and prevails. We thank you for it, Father. We rejoice in it, Lord. Hallelujah, how we glorify your name. Now, as we've said before, this this bears repeating. If you're suffering with a disease of any kind, 
that's been perpetual in your life. Uh, diabetes is like that. Arthritis is like that. I know there are other, I'm not familiar with all the diseases. But there are diseases that try to get into people's body and live there. Now, I, listen, my, the reason I'm doing this is the Lord spoke to me and said, if you will teach on divine healing during communion, there will be those that during communion, as they hear the word, as they receive communion, they're going to be instantly healed. That means your, your 20-year arthritis will be over with, and you'll be free of it. Your 15-year bout with diabetes will be over with. You'll be free from it. You say, why? why? How, do you, how do you know? Because God is rich to all that call upon His name. And all that word needs to do is just be fall in your heart, just like that. And immediately and instantaneously, God will bring healing to your life. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Well, shout to the Lord. Oh, give Him a better shout than that. Give, it, give the Lord a shout this morning. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon our service today. For your anointing, for your presence, for your power, for your revelation knowledge. Thank you, Father, as we leave today. Our faith is in your word. Lord, we're just going to take a moment lift our hands and thank you how you protected us over the years. You protected us out on that ocean. On these, on these dangerous highways all over this area. Lord, you've protected us. In the airways, on all the airline, airline flights we've taken all over the world. Oh, how you've blessed us. Never have we had an accident. Never will we. Lord, uh, in other ways of, on the railroads, on the uh, other ways of, of pleasure transportation, recreational transportation. Lord, you've protected us. You've kept us safe. We do not take it for granted. But today we make application of that word. With our mouth, we declare no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels of God have charge over us. So, Father, whether we travel on the highways, airways, railways, seaways, any other way of travel or transportation, we work uh, in, the, in the medical field, out in the ocean, up in the oil patch, construction, secretaries, education, does not matter. Wherever we handle the resource you've given us, we declare over our lives, we are not subject to trauma, to terror, to evil plans of wicked men or Satan himself. Devil, you are defeated under our feet. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Father, also. As strong as that has been, let this next prayer be strengthened and answered. Let us leave this place and go out into the world as ambassadors for Christ. Let us have a desire and a heart to touch the hurting, the weak, the lost, the undone, the unloved. Lord, give us your compassion. Make us the labors you desire us to be. Thrust us out into the harvest field. Let us be an answer to people's prayer this week. A problem to the devil. A miracle in someone's life. We ask in Jesus' name. Fathers, we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. We'll see you Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. 
He is the author and the finisher of our faith.